0: then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says ma nansakh min ayatin ma not nansakh we abrogate min ayatin any ayah any verse now this verse uh, is about the concept of nask all right nask is from the root letters nun, seen kha and means to erase something meaning to remove it it also means to Copy, and it also means to replace. Replace one thing with another. So it has different meanings. Now, here what is mentioned is naskh of an ayah of the Quran, of a verse of the Quran. What does it mean by that? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Quran On the Prophet, it was revealed over how many years? How many? Twenty-three years. And We learned that many commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed were not revealed at once. They were revealed how? Gradually. Gradually. Step by step. And sometimes, a certain law was given and then later, it was cancelled. Why was it cancelled? Because it was only relevant for that time. It was not relevant for a later time. It was just a temporary solution for that time when the Quran was revealed on the Prophet ﷺ. So this is nasq, where a verse or a command was given and later on it was cancelled. So what happened is that some people said, and these were primarily from the people of the book who criticized the Prophet ﷺ, and said, you know what, you're making all this up. Because one day you say one command and later you say It's changed. You're making all of this up. Was that the case? Not at all. Because what is the best way of teaching somebody something? That you teach them the whole thing in one day? They'll never learn. What do you do? You teach them step by step. And sometimes you tell them to do one thing and then later on you change it. Like for example, if you want to work in the kitchen, right? if you want to cook something, you must master knife skills you must know how to use a knife if you don't know how to use a knife you cannot work in the kitchen but let's say with the size of your hands and given how big and heavy and sharp that knife is you're having difficulty using the knife so what are you told don't use the knife instead to slice the cucumber use a mandolin for example or like a grater like you know something to slice with so you're told to use that okay so you use that now there comes a very stuck up chef right, or somebody who has mastered the knife skills and said, if you are using that thing in the kitchen, you don't know how to cook. I'm like no, I'm learning, I'm in the process. So right now you are using the grater and then after a few years as you've mastered the knife skills, what are you going to do? Continue to use the grater? No, you're going to ditch it. That grater is what? Just a temporary thing to help you. You understand? It's just something to help you. So, it's there to help you get to the next step. When you're learning, let's say, soccer. You're taking soccer classes. Then your coach tells you to do certain things so that you can play in the field, at least get playing. And then what's going to happen at a later stage? He's going to tell you, don't do this, instead do this. He will change the strategy. You might say, well last year you told me to do this, and this year if I do it, you get upset with me. Well, yes. That was for last year, not this year. You understand? So the point is, that whenever you're teaching somebody something, if you have to go slowly, you have to modify the rules also. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in His mercy, when He revealed the Qur'an, when He gave the commands, this is how He gave them. So some commands... They were given, later on they were changed, so people criticized. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ma نَنْسَخْ مِنْ ayatin, any ayat that we abrogate, and this nash is called abrogation, because abrogate means to abolish something or to replace it with something else. So nun siha or we cause it to be forgotten. Nunsiha is from the root letters nun sin ya. Nasiya is to forget. We cause it to be forgotten. What does that mean? That sometimes literally what would happen is that the sahaba could not remember a verse. I mean they could not recall it. You know like when you know something is there, you cannot remember it, but you know it's there. Right? So that is what would happen with the companions. Nun how They were made to forget it. So whenever that happens, Allah says, bi khairim minha." We bring what is better than it. Meaning the new command is always better than the previous aw mithliha or it is like it meaning it's similar to it so the new command will always be either better than the previous or it will be similar similar in terms of reward or in terms of ease. now allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says alam ta'lam don't you know anna allah ala kulli shay'in qadeem That indeed Allah is over all things capable. Qadir is one who has Qudra. Qudra is ability. Don't you know that Allah can do anything? Who are you to question Allah's authority? Who are you to criticize the manner in which He is revealing His law? Don't you know that Allah can do anything? You don't have that position to criticize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He can do whatever He wants. We are servants and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the master. We are to follow and He is the legislator. You know, for example, if you go for your G2 and then, you know, you're driving a certain way and you barely stop at the stop sign and then you fail your test. So you ask the examiner, why? And they're like, because you did not stop properly at the stop sign. She's like, well, but why do I have to stop? You know, because there is nobody at the intersection and I did kind of stop, so... Like you can argue all you want But a rule is a rule And if you start arguing with the examiner Is he going to entertain your argument? What is he going to say? Go get some lessons And take your test again You have failed this test And I do not have time for your Complaining Right? So the point is Rules are rules We are to follow them We are not to Criticize them and if we criticize them, we're only making fun of ourselves. So these laws have been given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and He can give whatever command He wants, He can change it, He can cancel it, it's up to Him. Now in your notes you see that there are three types of Nasq. Just to give you a brief understanding of how Nasq was. And there is this book by Sheikh Yasir Qadhi, Dr. Yasir Qadi, An Introduction to the Sciences of the Qur'an and it has a whole chapter on the topic of naskh summer is coming you guys can read mashallah and i would encourage you to get your hands on this book and try to read some of it at least inshallah so three types of naskh the first type of naskh what does it say the abrogation of the verse and the ruling so if you see your notes you see the three types of naskh what's the first one the abrogation of the verse not the ruling what does that mean The verse is not recited anymore, but the command is still applied. It's still relevant. If you try to look for that verse in the Qur'an, you will not find it. But whatever it taught us, whatever command it gave, is it still applicable? Yes, it is applicable. Let me give you an example. Have you heard of the statement that if the son of Adam had two valleys of gold, he would want a third one? So there is this narration in which we learn that if the son of Adam had two valleys full of gold, he's so greedy, he would want another one. Okay? So this was actually a verse of the Qur'an. But if you read the Qur'an from Surah Fatiha to Surah an nas will you find this anywhere in the Qur'an? No, you will not. So the verse is no longer recited, but what the verse teaches, is that still relevant? Is that still relevant? Are people still greedy? Yes. So this is one type of naskh The second type of naskh is the abrogation of the ruling and not the verse. What does that mean? That means that the ayah is still in the Qur'an, it is still recited, but the law is not to be followed. Why? Because another law came after it, cancelling the first one. Let me give you an example. In the Qur'an, there is a verse in which Allah subhanahu wa says, it's in the second juz, inshallah we will learn that very soon, that if a person has money, then before they die, they should make sure that they write a will concerning their wealth. That a certain portion of it should go to their parents, to their family, to the poor and the needy, Right? They should make a will. Now, this verse is still there. إِنْ akrabin. Right, The verse is there in Surah Al-Baqarah. However, later, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the entire law of inheritance. Which specifies the portion of the parents, the portion of the children, the portion of the spouse, the portion of all of the relatives. It specifies it. So what does that mean? You no longer have the authority to decide how much of your money should go to your parents and how much of your money should go to your siblings and how much of it should go to your children. Who has decided that? Allah has decided that. The first ayah said, you decide it. But then the verse is abrogated. The entire law of inheritance is given. Do you understand this concept? Okay. The third one is the abrogation of the ruling and the verse. What does that mean? Abrogation of the ruling and the verse. You will not find the verse in the Quran, and the command is no longer applicable. Or what the verses said is no longer relevant. Let me give you an example. Do you know that Suratul Ahzab? You know Suratul Ahzab in the Quran. It used to be as long as Suratul Baqarah. Yes. You know why? Because. At that time, there were so many tragedies that the Muslims suffered. So many of their brothers and sisters they had lost. So many Muslims had been killed. Muslims had faced so much persecution. They were grieving. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala revealed many, many verses to comfort the Prophet Sallallahu and the companions. Many verses, because the thing is that when you recite the Quran, it heals you. And especially for those with the Prophet Sallallahu they deserve that. So those verses, people would recite them, and as they would recite them, they would feel comfort also. But those verses, they're not in the Qur'an anymore. And what they said was not relevant, because it's not for us. It was for who? Only for the companions at that time. You understand? So these are the three types of Nasr. Now, what is the benefit of Nasr? Many people have a problem with نصح, That Why? But what is the benefit of abrogation? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, he could have given the final command at once and not change it at all in the middle. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abrogate certain commands, certain verses? What is the benefit? Firstly, there is ease. When you are told to do something step by step, it's easy. Imagine you're going for your driving lesson. You can barely turn the wheel properly and you're being told to pay attention to the warning signs also. That's why your first few lessons, where are they? In a parking lot. Isn't it? Once you know how to use the vehicle, then you're taken where? On the highway? Where are you taken? To a street. Which street? Busy one? No. An empty one. Then from there, you know, step by step by step, you're taken. So there's ease in this. Another benefit is, can you think of another benefit? Exactly. In this is also Allah's mercy and compassion for His servants, because all of a sudden all these commands they were very difficult. You know, they could be very overwhelming. Like for example, the companions, the people at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, alcohol was a big part of their lives, big part. So if one day was said haram, completely haram, what would happen? Many people would not be able to follow that command. And what happened is that the command was given gradually Like for example, one of the first rulings that was given concerning alcohol was That do not go to prayer when you are intoxicated Now if a person has to pray five times a day When do they get drunk? When? At night, there's tahajjud You understand? And fajr is not far away I mean, usually when a person is drunk and intoxicated, it takes some time to get sober. So then, they could not pray in a state of intoxication. What did that mean? They could drink not when they please, but but when. Only sometimes, very carefully, and only in certain amounts, so that they would not get drunk. So you understand, it kind of disciplined their drinking habits. And then Finally, they were told haram. So was it easy for them to leave it? Yes, it was easy for them to leave it. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy on the believers. When He changed a command, also what this teaches us, that we are servants, Allah is the legislator. Realize what our position is, and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's status is. He can give a command, He can cancel it, He can change it, It's up to Him because we are at the end of the day His servants. We are to follow. So it's a very important lesson that the concept of Nasq teaches us. We see that in Medina when alcohol was made forbidden, what happened? People stopped completely. Yes, there were a few cases where you know, some people, they found it hard, they took time. But in general, the Muslims were able to leave it. So, Nash has its benefits. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alam talam, do you not know, an Allah that indeed Allah لَهُ مُلْكُ Wal وَالْأَرْضِ to him belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. Don't you know that Allah is the owner? He is the king, he is the one with ultimate authority, and when he is the owner, he is the king. Then he can give whatever command he wants, he can change whatever command he wants, because he is the owner. لكم, and you do not have min besides Allah min any protector, ولا نصير nor any helper. Wali is from the root letters wa lam ya, and wali is a close friend who protects you. Nacer, on the other hand, is from the root letters nun Sadra, and nasir is someone who helps you. And it's not necessary that they be your friend. So anybody can help you, random person even. But wali is a close friend who will protect you. So why is this mentioned? That you do not have besides Allah any protector or any helper. Meaning if you turn away from Allah saying, well, you know what, I don't want to follow this law. And I don't like the idea of you know some commands changing. So okay, turn away. What are you going to do? Who's going to protect you? And who's going to help you? Who's going to be your protector other than Allah? If you leave Allah, what do you have? Nobody. Am turiduna or do you wish turiduna is from the root letters ra dal and irada is to intend do you want antasalu that you ask this is from sual question rasulakum your messenger do you intend to ask your messenger questions kama just as suila musa min qablu just as musa was asked before which people asked musa alayhisalam questions the Bani Israel. So the Muslims are being instructed over here that watch what you're doing. What kind of questions are you asking your messenger? Be careful about the kind of questions you ask him. Don't ask him questions the way Bani Israel asked questions from their prophet. What kind of questions did they ask? What kind of questions did they ask? أَرِنَ Allah Unnecessary questions about the cow, Remember? what color, what profession, and all of that. Also they said that we will not believe until we see Allah. So here we are being taught to not ask irrelevant questions. Why? Because irrelevant questions, what do they lead to? More confusion. As we saw in the story of the cow, leads to more confusion. And sometimes such questions can even lead to disbelief. The thing is that as human beings, yes, we have a brain, but that brain has its limits. We have knowledge, but that knowledge has its limits. And the universe is more than what we know. It is more than what our brains can encompass. So when we start asking questions that are beyond us, we are putting ourselves in trouble. Like for example, you see this is a very important rule that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us here. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, 'alal-Arsh istawa." You know that verse? Have you heard of it? That Al-Rahman, Allah is the most merciful and he rose over the throne. Now one person, he went to Imam Malik. Imam Malik was a great scholar. And he said, what is istawa? Allah rose over the throne. What does that mean? What does that mean? So Imam Malik, he said, we know that Allah did istiwa because Allah says that He rose over the throne. How? We don't know. Because no matter how much we discuss and debate, can we ever know? Can we ever know? No, because that knowledge is beyond us. But he said, believing in it is important. Why? Because Allah has mentioned it in the Qur'an. And then asking about it, such questions, this is something new. It should not be done. Because a sahaba never asked such questions. So what do we understand from this? What we understand is that asking relevant questions is good. Asking about things that we can understand, that we can observe, that we can apply, that is good. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages us to ask such questions. He says in the Qur'an, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ in كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلِمُونَ Ask the people of knowledge if you don't know something. The sahaba asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi about alcohol. Is it okay or not? About gambling. Is it okay or not? They asked him sallallahu alayhi about how they should spend their money. They asked him all sorts of questions. But questions that were relevant to them. Irrelevant questions like can we see Allah right now? And things like how did Allah rise over the throne? I mean, even if you know, what are you going to do about that knowledge? So here we're being taught an important lesson that don't go that side. Whoever changes, يتبَدَل Bada تَبَدُّلْ is to change. Whoever changes, al-kufr disbelief with iman, meaning he gives up iman and takes kufr, because such questioning can lead to disbelief. How did Allah rise over the throne? And then people ask questions like, well, you say God is all-powerful. Can He make something that He cannot pick up Himself? I mean, what kind of a question is that? Even if you were to know the answer, what would you do with that knowledge? And it's a circular question. There's no answer to this. So this kind of question, what is it going to lead to? Is it going to lead you to more faith and prayer? No, it's going to lead to what? Disbelief. So whoever does that, فَقَدُ سَوَاءَ السَّبِيلِ He has lost the right path. سَوَاء سِنْ To be in the middle. سَبِيل is way. سَوَاءَ السَّبِيل Middle of the way, meaning the correct way. He has lost the correct way. he's no longer upon right guidance. Now, you have a hadith in your notes about asking unnecessary questions. Like for example, at hajj, Some people ask the Prophet, do we have to do Hajj every year? I mean, is it possible to do Hajj every year? Why even ask a question like that? So the Prophet kept quiet. The man asked three times, he didn't understand. He asked three times. And the Prophet said, if I were to say yes, then it would be obligatory for you, and you would not be able to do it. So he said, leave me with what I have left to you. Those who were before you were destroyed because of excessive questioning. So when I command you to do something, do it. Do as much as you can. Don't ask irrelevant questions that have nothing to do with your actions. Inshallah, we will conclude over here. We'll listen to the recitation of these verses.
1: (laughs) Ya amanu la ra'ina ورنا وسمعوا وللكافرين عذاب أليم ما يود الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب ولا المشركين أي نزل عليكم من خير من ربكم والله يختص برحمته ما يشاء والله ذو الفضل العظيم ما نسخ من آية أو ننسها نأتي بخير منها أو مثلها ألم تعلم the one على كل one قدير؟ the تعلم أن Please tell كما سئل موسى من قبل، ومن الكفر بالإيمان،